Be the Good is all about people doing good in the world while following their passions, good for their own souls and for others. I'm Kate Cherichello, and welcome to today's episode. If you are enjoying these stories, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean so much. You can also join our Facebook community under the group title, Be the Good with Kate Cherichello. Let's spread a little more goodness in the world. So today's guest on Be The Good is Mark Palm. He is CEO and co-founder of Samaritan Aviation, which offers life-saving emergency flights to the only hospital that would otherwise take days to reach by canoe, ongoing care and medical supplies, training, community restoration, disaster relief, and more in Papua New Guinea, one of the most remote places on the planet. And something that really resonated with me in researching you, Mark, and Samaritan Aviation is the focus on loving our neighbors as ourselves. And I loved that so much. So, Mark, thank you so much for being here today. Great to be here, Kate. Thank you. (laughs) So first question, as it always is, who are you and what do you do in your own words? Yeah, well, you know, I feel like uh, I've been able to live several lives over my lifetime and... um, but just you know, for 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 me as a as a person and as, as Samaritan as an organization, you know, we work in one of the most remote areas of the world, and and with the goal of of really being the hands and feet of Jesus. And uh, some of the things that we're we're doing is directly impacting the the maternal death rate in this in a region where there's five hundred thousand people, uh, one hospital, and so uh, you know, one of the worst. Uh, maternal death rates in the Asia Pacific Rim, and we're able to help uh, lower that. We're we're getting medical supplies out to places where it, it, before we got there, it took six months to get medical supplies. We can get them right out there within an hour flight. Uh, we're able to go out and stop uh, cholera outbreaks, for example, or other sickness outbreaks. And um, you know, we do all this at no charge to the people. And so it's just uh, for me, it's just amazing. Uh, opportunity really to uh, love your neighbor as yourself to do that in a way without expectation you know we, we uh, we're just so blessed to be able to serve we can see a need we can respond and we're a small enough organization where uh, we don't have a lot of uh, bureaucracy or red tape and so when there's a need we can go right now and um, that's what we've been doing in Papua New Guinea for the last 12 years uh, just reaching remote communities offering access and hope and we do that using seaplanes and uh uh, you know, we're the only seaplanes in the country and we're operating on a 700 mile river. And these airplanes allow us to give access and hope to over 128 villages that we serve each year uh, through medevac seven days a week through medicine deliveries, uh, through disaster relief. And also we do community health trainings and train up nurses and do leadership training in the villages as well. And so, uh, yeah, I guess for me, it's just it's been an amazing journey. Uh, that started young uh, as a young man, and um, I'm still living the dream today. And I thought like just getting started, actually. Wow! Just to hear all that you do, and yet you still describe it as a very small organization. So I can only imagine how much each person who is involved is giving, you know, heart and soul to everything. Because wow, you're doing so much at once. And tell me more about how you created Samaritan Aviation. I know that you have a history in aviation and also how you picked this specific area of the world. Yeah, you know, for me, as, a, as a, I'm one of five boys, my father was a minister. My grandfather was a World War II pilot and uh, I've had a couple uncles that fly, my cousin. 
flies uh, military and commercial. And so uh, just having that aviation background. And then as a teenager, I moved to Santa Cruz, California with my family. And my dad started running a homeless uh, mission. And basically the idea was, uh, you know, it was a Christian organization, but we want to feed people. And then we want to tell them about who, who God is. And um, but being able to go in and, and uh, help people, even as a young age, you know, at 13, 14, I started going down and serving food to the, to the homeless people, giving them blankets uh, when they were cold. And when the rain came, even in California, it gets cold and uh, by the ocean and um, just the basic tangible things not just talking about something, but actually doing something. And that had a huge impact on my life. And, and then um, my church youth group, we went down to Mexico to build houses and so I had a chance to go down as a 16-year-old, and all of a sudden, I, you know, I'm transported into 30 miles from San Diego, and now I'm in another country, and people are living in cardboard boxes, some of them, and, and you know, just seeing a, another culture uh, and realizing where kind of 90% or whatever the rest of the world uh, lives in, in a lot uh, harder areas than we, we do, and realizing how blessed we are here in America and had a chance to build houses uh, for some families. And that, that was just amazing to be able to use. I wasn't a builder or anything, but just the idea of pounding nails and working alongside the family and, and doing something that could change a life. Um, I think that had a huge impact. And, and then for me, I, you know, we, we do a little devotional every morning and I was sitting on this old uh, abandoned well down in Mexico and, and, and I just felt God speak to me and it hasn't happened since. So it's, it's been, a, you know, but it was very clear at that at that point that uh, what I heard was, Mark, I want you to use your passion for people in aviation to share my love in a remote part of the world. And I left, I went back home to Santa Cruz and it's like, okay, well now, now what? You know, what do I do now to respond to that very clear message that I received? And so uh, as a as an 18 year old, I found myself in in Florida going to a small school I met a, a guy there that had been born in Papua New Guinea. And, you know, as I thought about Papua New Guinea, it kind of clicked all of those boxes of, of, of people in need and remote. You know, I'd, I'd read about the country and National Geographic as a kid, and it was kind of like the headhunters. And it was like this, this really remote, rugged place. You know, it has a fifth of the world's languages. Uh, 80% of the people live in remote uh, communities that are isolated and really lack of access. And, uh, so, you know, we made a plan and ended up, I ended up over in Papua New Guinea as a 19 year old um, for the first time and, and had a chance to go into these remote communities and, and just live with the people in the bush houses and eat with them, fish with them. You know, you take baths in the ocean, uh, you just live in life and seeing the struggle, really um, seeing the happiness too. you know, they're, they're very family oriented um, and very happy, a happy culture, but then also seeing the struggle um, and the lack of access and just really the lack of access for medical help, medical supplies. And when there's an emergency, how hard it is to get in, into uh, anywhere that they can find help. And so, you know, um, that really was, was the basis for Samaritan Aviation. Also, we started asking uh, the, you know, the question like, what, what if we could uh, turn a three to five day trip to the hospital down to an hour. You know, what if we could bring anti-venom out to someone when they got bit by a poisonous snake? What if we could bring a midwife out to these remote villages when there's a pregnancy or a partial birth, a retained placenta uh, or sickness? What if we could go stop a sickness outbreak? Because we, we kept hearing these stories of 
people dying, trying to get to the only hospital, mothers dying on the way, babies dying, and people honestly not even trying. Because if you can, if you could even wrap your head around being three days away from the nearest hospital and say you get bit by a poisonous snake and you have eight hours to live, you know, why would you even try? after a while. And that's really what was happening. And so just the hopelessness of that and, and um, looking at this 700 mile stretch of river, there's 250,000 people that live on this river. There's one hospital and all those people are one to three to four to five days away by canoe and by road to get into that one place. And so it's like, okay, there's nobody doing it. Uh, there's a 700 mile runway, really, you know, if you have a float plane and there's all these people living there without access to hope and so we started dreaming and that's really where the Samaritan aviation uh, came from and and so it's just so exciting to now you know 22 years later we we started the organization in 2000 took 10 years to actually get over there uh telling the story trying to raise awareness trying to tell anyone who would listen about the dream um it was a it was a long long road you know you talk about the the path (laughs) It was a long, windy path, but um, we just felt like it was, an, we called it an adventure in faith. And, and every year, as we look back, we could see that we were closer to the goal uh, than we were the year before. So we just never gave up. And uh, finally, after 10 years, my, my wife and my three kids, I uh, had a four, five and seven year old, um, and we arrived in Papua New Guinea finally. And uh, in uh, January, 2010, uh, a month later, the airplane arrived in a 40-foot container, uh, our first seaplane, and I put that together with a bag of tools in the capital and flew it in about five five hours uh, to the, the place that we operate today. But um, yeah, what an amazing journey. And, and to be able to sit here now and go, wow, you know, thousands of lives have been saved through our emergency flights, thousands of mothers, babies, uh, uh we've been able to stop sickness outbreaks. You know, the, the year before we came to New Guinea, uh, 3,000 people lost their lives from a cholera outbreak in the same areas that we work. And since we've been there, we've helped stop several of these sickness outbreaks and we've only lost a few lives o- over the, those time periods. And so you're, you know, you're stopping, you know, you might, you're, you're, you're having five people uh, pass away instead of 3,000. I mean, those are big, big changes, you know? And so the organization has just had this impact to really just love people. And, and we've done it for, for no cost. Uh, and now it's not just me and my family, you know, for five years, it was just us in New Guinea. I was uh, flying the plane, fixing the plane. My wife was driving the ambulance, uh, giving me the weather reports. Um, I would drop off uh, a patient, my, my wife, Kirsten, she'd have the three kids with her, put the patient in, a, in our van, drive them to the hospital. I'd take off again to get another patient. And we just did that for five years sometimes working 20 some days in a row because the emergencies just wouldn't stop, you know, uh, but we just kept going and, and uh, just so exciting now to see, you know, we have 10 families on staff. Now we have six pilots and a medical director and a maintenance director. And um, just to see all of these people that have now caught the vision and, and are as committed as we are. Um, these people are moving their families to, to Papua New Guinea uh, two years at a time, they're raising their own support to do this from their friends, families, and churches. And, um, you know, we feel like we're finally uh, just getting, we have three airplanes now. We're, we're growing and the capacity that we have to really do more. And that's really what's exciting is, is to reach more people, to save more lives, 
and to love people. And that's really, you know, as you look at the foundation of what is Samaritan aviation, it's, you know, it comes from the story in the New Testament where Jesus talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. And that's one of the, the two commandments he gave us. And the second, the second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. And, um, you know, what does that mean to us here uh, in, in the world? And um, for, for us, Papua New Guinea, the, the, they are our neighbors and we're, we're called to love them as ourselves. And, and so that's what we've been trying striving to do for the last 22 years, 12 years in country now. Um, and just being that light, that beacon, that, that, and offering that hope because, you know, hope is a very powerful thing. When you have hope, it's very powerful. And when you lose hope, it's devastating. And so for us, it's, it's offering access, it's offering hope, and it's being, uh, we call it grace in action. You know, with no expectation, we just accept the, this free gift and we're coming, we're going to pick you up in your village. We're going to take your wife, your daughter, your husband, your mom, whoever it is in the village that needs to be saved. We're going to fly them into the only place they can go to be, to get the help that they need. And we can do that at no charge. And um, it's just been an amazing journey and just, yeah, really excited to, to see the future as we continue to get more families, more aircraft. And we're looking at expanding even to the other side of, of the Island where there's another whole area that has the same issues. And um, uh, but anyway, just so excited to just tell the story those, those ideas of what if we could do this and then now to be able to say that is what we're doing and we've we've accomplished more than we could ever have dreamed um, in the last 12 years and um, and and it, we you know it's all about the team it's it's not about me or it's my wife it's about us being willing to go and the team that we have being willing to go and then it's about all the people that sent us you know we we don't have the resources to buy airplanes we don't have the resources personally. Uh, to buy fuel, to to go over and and you know raise that million and a half dollars that we need every year to operate. But because we have all these partners here in the states, you know they can't go, uh, but they can give. And so it's been really awesome to um, to have that partnership uh, with people that send us. So you know I I have the call to go, but other people have the call to give. And so it's all of us working together as a team to that allows us to to make the impact that we're having. And so. Uh, that part really is exciting to me as I go around and share stories with people that have supported us for, you know, even eight years before we even got to New Guinea and this faithfully monthly giving money, uh, believing in the dream. And that's exciting for me to be able to go back now and say, thank you. You know, here's a life that was saved uh, because of you, uh, because of your generosity. And um, yeah, so that's, that's always exciting. And, and I, um, you know, we recently celebrated 20 years. We're two years late because of COVID um, a couple of weeks ago, even in Phoenix. And um, just talking about just the miracles and we call them God moments, but just the miracles that have happened over the years. This this thing is so much bigger than us, you know, and, and that's also what's exciting as being part of something bigger than yourself. And um, so having those to be able to look back and go, wow, that that I didn't do that. You know, that was just like we prayed and we worked hard. We had, you know, we, we didn't stop. We didn't give up. Um, but just miracles that happen through other people. And um, that's what, what's awesome too, is it is to be able to make a difference collectively. And uh, to, especially when I think of Americans, you know, New Papua New Guinea, 7,000 miles away, it's North of Australia. Most people in America don't even know where it is, you know, 8 million people, second largest island in the world, all of these things. And, and yet people in America that have no idea, uh, 
how to even relate to that are willing to give sacrificially so that we can go um, share God's love. And so that's, that's exciting. And um, so now I, I go back and forth now, but I get a chance to tell people, thank you and, and try to inspire other people to do something with their lives and to make a difference. There's so much there that I wanted to like highlight and, you know, put exclamation points around the, one piece, though, that I just kept going back to, too, amongst all the, the obvious aspects was that concept of you had an idea and you were called to this passion and this need, but it didn't happen right away. Like you took 10 years of fighting to make it happen and praying and listening and working hard towards it. And then finally, you got to just start by going over there. And then five more years where it was just your family doing all that you could, and then to build this whole other network on top. I talk about just perseverance and not giving up, like you mentioned, and that hope, that hope word is such a big word and so needed just to remind yourself of like, keep going, whether it's something like this, whether it's another passion, whether it's, you know, hope in a, in a person, in a relationship, in, you know, any organization that is so huge. And I can't get over that, how many years it took. And yeah, now look you know, at what you've made. They always say nothing, nothing good comes easy, right? I mean, I think yeah. I, I've heard that as a saying, but um, nothing worth anything anyways. But yeah, I think that's, um, I was, I always said, I have, I guess I have the gift of stick to I don't even know if that's a word, but just this idea that I, like hey, it. I have the, uh, I have the plan and, and I've just got to keep going until I can't go any farther. And um that was really, you know, and then have to have a wife, um, you know, my wife, Kirsten, 24 years now and, and her, her adventurous spirit to, yes. to go with me and, and do this with me and then the kids to be involved. And, um, you know, that's that all of that is just uh, amazing. And uh, we've had an amazing uh, journey. Our kids are graduating from high school now. And so things oh, are wow. changing. I'm getting older, but um, you know, it's really exciting for me to see these new families going over with their kids. And it's the same idea, you know, which it's not about uh, the husband going off and doing a job or the, or the wife, if she's the one that's uh, has a role going off and doing her job. It's, it's about the families working as a team, the kids are involved. And, and I think that's really why a lot of families are starting to come and want to join the team because it's, they want to do something as a family. They want to make a difference. Uh, not just themselves, but um, with with their kids and and expose their kids to just the idea of of giving back and and uh, loving your neighbor, you know, um, and, and and to experience life in a way that you know in America it's it's you know, we gripe about we call it first world problems or whatever, and you know that's probably the hardest thing for us when we come back because you know all the friends that we have are are, are kind of griping a lot of times over these kind of silly things, honestly. And, you know, you're watching a baby die in the plane or, or a mom that's struggling to get life or, or just all of the stuff that we see over there. And then, and then, uh, you know, little things don't really matter as much. So we, we, you know, that's kind of the, one of the harder things for us to deal with, honestly, is, is just the, the, the issues that people have in America are so, are so much, there's still issues and they're important, but um, it, it's, it's such a big difference between people just trying to to be, to get medical supplies, people trying to live, um, uh, and, and versus just, Hey, I want a you know, a new car or, or whatever. So it's a, it's just a whole different, um, perception uh, that, that you, that you get when you're living in those areas. And you just said one of my, my favorite words of the last two years, perception and perspective, 
Mm. And you just said perception, and both of those, it's so, it's, they're so important to always keep in mind. Hey, Mark, do you have any, I mean, you already gave so many good news moments on a grand level. Do you have any of those stories of specific people you've worked with, you know, people that you've saved, kids you've seen, you know, get the supplies they need over there in Papua New Guinea? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I could tell you story after story. I bet, I bet, you know, years worth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my favorites, and it, and it's, it's, um, it's my favorite for many reasons. But I, I, um, you know, we went around like I, I mentioned for ten years, telling the story. Like, if we can just get there, we can save lives. These people are dying, trying to get to the hospital, and and that's how you know we're selling a dream, really. You know, because we don't, we've never done it before. I, I, young, we we didn't look, you know, we didn't look. We looked very young at the time and, and we'd never done it. And so you're spending a lot of money. Aviation is very expensive. So, um, you know, so then to tell, to finally get there, you know, and then it's like, okay, so we started delivering medical supplies. No one had been in a seaplane in this area in 40, 50 years. It's a super dangerous area. This, this river is a thousand feet wide, but it'll rise and fall up to 20 feet in a couple of days. And so um, sometimes you're, you're, there's no docks on the side of the river. You know, sometimes you're docking the airplane between palm trees that are 20 feet apart. Sometimes the wings over the bank of the river. Sometimes the bank of the river is 20 feet above the airplane. Sometimes there's a sandbar that's three feet out of the water that wasn't even there last week. You know, it's a thousand feet wide and uh, crocodiles in the river and people in canoes and uh, whirlpools and debris. And so, you know, it's... Uh, it was a lot initially just to even go, where can we land? How do we operate safely? And so, um, you know, we started by delivering medical supplies into a few different areas that we knew we could get into. And then, uh, you know, I'll never forget that first call, you know, after all these years, and I, we, we get this call, it's Good Friday, 2010. And they said, hey, we have a, a mother here who's been in labor for three days and she's unconscious. We have no way to get her in. Uh, can you help? And uh, so I, you know, I still remember putting that stretcher in the airplane and putting the fuel in. And of course it's raining and weather's kind of bad and, you know, getting uh, the nurse in and taking off and, you know, 40 minutes later, pulling up on the side of the river on this the muddy bank and it's, it's raining. And I see this group of people running along the side of the bank and, and uh, I see them there, there's a stretcher in between them and, and they bring this unconscious uh, mother to, to the plane and a nurse and we, we load the patient in and, you know, when you're flying an airplane uh, like that, the patient's head literally is about a foot away because they're in a small plane and the stretcher's right behind the seat of, of the co-pilot seat. So you're kind of, you can see the patient there and I could just see she's totally unconscious. I don't even, you know, I can see she's breathing, but that's about it. You, you don't know if she's even going to make the flight. Um, and then to rush her into the, to the hospital and, and, uh, you know, they took her in for emergency surgery. We went home. It was, it was afternoon. And the next day I, I remember my wife and I, you know, and the three kids, we went down to the hospital and we just wanted to see, you know, did, did she make it? And, and then, you know, to walk into labor recovery room and there's this mom sitting there holding this baby boy. And um, it just seeing two lives that are alive because of the, you know, not just because of all of the, the the hard times to get over there, not just because we worked hard, but because people believed in it and, and allowed us to go and sent us. And um, for me, it was just kind of this validation, you know, all of the years, here's two lives that are saved. And, you know, the, the, the 
story it goes on is that they asked us to name the baby and 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 my wife and I are like name the baby like you know that's not in America that's not what you do you don't your people don't ask you to name their kids and so I, it was just like wow we got to go home and we got to figure this out we got to have a name that means a, a lot and we, we spent uh, several hours trying to come up with this perfect name for this little boy and we walked back in and we had it all typed out on a piece of paper and and we said, hey, we have the name for the for the baby. And they said, well, yeah, never mind. We've actually named him Mark after you. And so, you know, there, so there I am. I've got a baby Mark sitting there. And just it's been cool over the years, you know, uh, to spend time with with Mark. He's now uh, 12 years old and uh, or will be here in a couple of weeks. And so to be able to go back and see his mom, Antonia, and see him in the village, his dad, his sister, uh, over the years, what a highlight that's been. Um, and just once again, that reminder of, of, wow, you know, we were allowed to do, to follow this dream. We were allowed to go save these lives. And, and we've repeated that stories, you know, over and over again, uh, from snake bites and, and, and seeing kids that, that have come back from being delirious and frothing at the mouth, uh, and getting them the anti-venom to have them walking around two days later, and going back home and um, just story after story of uh, 40% of what we do as mothers and babies. And then uh, sicknesses from malaria, tuberculosis. Um, uh, they still are try fighting each other sometimes. And so they're using bow and arrows and machetes and uh, spears. And so you're, you're dealing with some tra trauma things as well, but just, um, you know, saving lives, offering hope, offering access to these areas where there is none without us and doing it at no charge and that's really uh for me it's just a picture of of god's grace in, in our life and um so um yeah that's what samaritan's all about and that's you know like i said i could tell you story after story and um but that's a special one for me wow very much so do, do you have any quotes and sayings that have gotten you through these, especially the hard times when you're rushing to a hospital and you have no idea if the person's going to make it or, or what you tell the people you work with over and over again? Yeah. You know, I, it's funny. I feel like one of the, the challenges with, with this area of the world um, is the needs are so great. And I think um, for me, it's really a part of my job moving forward is to protect um our culture and protect our vision uh, because what happens is you, you know, you, there's that saying that you can't do, you know, you can do everything, uh, but you can't do everything well, you know? And, and so this idea of, of how can I be focused and do that well versus just trying to, because the needs just overwhelm you, especially when you first get there and, and you really have, it's, it's, it's one of the hardest things to do because you want to help always, but to realize, look, if I do that, I can't do what I'm here for and do that well. And so that's really something I preach a lot um, to the to the team. And, um, you know, just um, it's funny because I tell this to my kids, too. But, you know, the, the, the need just even what we do seems overwhelming sometimes. And you know, there's so many different layers and. Um, you know, there's that old saying, I don't know why it always sticks with me, but it's like, how do you eat an elephant? You know, and it's, you know, it's one bite at a time. And, you know, the idea that you just can't focus on the, the this huge obstacle. And that's kind of how we survive getting Samaritan off the ground. It's, it's, it's taking it one step at a time. And then it's looking back and saying, okay, we've, we're, we're farther along than we were last year. You know, we're not there, 
Um, and, and so we have to continue to keep that mindset because otherwise you just get overwhelmed and you get paralyzed really is what happens because you just can't handle the, this, the enormity of it all. And so, um, you know, as you look at, uh, whether it's domestic abuse over there, which is really high, uh, 70% of women are, are abused over there. Um, and, and just, just in the culture where, where the man is, you know, kind of put forth as the. The, the most important person in the, in the village or the boy, uh, just as you see things, you know, and, and you're trying to, to educate and, and, and try to bring value, you know, um, equality over there as well. Uh, but you just have to realize, look, this, this all isn't going to be solved today. And um, we've just got to start and do what we can. And you've got to start with one person and, um, and that's how it works. And so that's really the, the constant drum beat that I give to our staff and um, um, just, yeah, one, one person at a time, uh, do what you came here to do and do what you do well. And that's, what's going to make the longest lasting impact. I feel like that could also answer this last question, but I'm going to ask it again. If someone came to you and they wanted to make a difference somehow, and they didn't know where to start, what would you tell them? You know, I, one of my, the favorite things to do is to challenge people to do something, you know, you don't have to go to Papua New Guinea to, to make a difference. You don't have to fly airplanes. You don't have to save people. You don't have to bring medical supplies, to remote communities. Um, there's needs all around, you know, all you have to do is stop and look around. Our neighbors are in need. There's people that are sick. There's people that have, are, have lost kids, lost spouses. There's people that are homeless in, in our communities. And so my big challenge is do something, you know, start somewhere. It's, you're not going to solve all the problems, but, uh, you know, once again, but if you can just go out and go uh, volunteer at, at a homeless shelter, for example, you know, get your kids involved with that. Go help uh, moms, go help, uh, or, you know, the orphans or, or go, go help work in, in, in a community. Uh, there's, there's, there's all kinds of programs where people are helping others. And um, so I'm just like, you know, get involved in your church, do something, uh, in your community, there, there's needs everywhere, but you you got to start, you know, if you sit around and wait for this perfect moment that you're going to be a hero or something, that's not what it's all about. You know, it's, it's extending a hand, it's opening a door, it's, it's, um, it's giving of yourself, you know, and, and for, you know, if you can get over down to Mexico, or you can get to another country and, and be part of a team that makes a difference, that's a lot of times that's more for you than it is for them, uh, honestly. Um, but that will change your life. And if that's what it takes to change your life, that to springboard you into something even greater then I say, go do it. And, you know, until you go see that you really can't totally understand what it's like to live that way. And so, um, do something, find opportunities, pray for opportunities to love your neighbor as yourself, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in your community. Um, that's to me is where it starts. So now if people do want to get involved with Samaritan Aviation some way to donate or to find out more about how they can help, where can we follow you and find you online and give us all the links and they'll be in the show notes as well. Yeah, you know, we we need partners to keep doing what we're doing. We're growing, we're expanding more, more staff, more airplanes. We're trying to expand in another part of the country uh, of Papua New Guinea. And so you can go to SamaritanAviation.org. Uh, check us out there. We have stories, media stories, videos. Uh, what we're all about. You can see our staff that's on, on there. There's also ways to get involved if you want to volunteer. Um, you can also go to Facebook, um, Instagram, follow us. We have stories every couple times a week. 
of lives changed, lives saves, uh, saved. And um, I go around and speak different places. And so also there's opportunities if, you, if we're in your area. We'd love to have to come speak at your church, to come speak at, uh, in a, uh, you know, where there's businesses that support us as well. If you have a business, if you want to hear the story or have a share, um, we're, we're happy to come and visit. And uh, just we're just telling the story and, and, and uh, asking people to see how they can help uh, continue the mission that we've started. Excellent. And there's a fantastic YouTube video too that has an overview that I'll put in the show notes as well. And it's on the website, great, that I just found so powerful. Mark, I cannot thank you enough for your time and just sharing your heart today because wow, there is, there's so much happening that you are doing that is just incredible work. So thank you. Yeah, thanks, Kate. We're excited to share the story. Thanks so much for listening to some more good news with Kate Cherichello. Whether you're listening on YouTube or via podcast, it would mean the world if you liked, subscribed, and or left a review. If you have stories of good news that need to be shared, please send me a message. Thanks again and have a great week.